the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 266 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. And this is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's for the fight. Recording this on Friday afternoon, uh, late even for my late standards. So um, I apologize, and for that, I'm going to try to make this a really expedited edition. Just a quick recap and a breakdown. Check the timestamps as per usual for when the breakdown starts, as I will break down the cards as I always do from top to bottom and recap my picks and plays at the very end. Now, if only my process was still that simple, that is actually how the process originally started. I'd go from top to bottom at my own pace. And crazily enough, I was able to get through like entire cards. But um, as you get more deeper into the space, uh, you get more deadlines, more demands, and more things on different schedules. And as the space itself also gets more saturated as, as well on top of it. So basically, I'm stuck every Sunday. And thankfully, I don't like you know, I'm not into football or other things, but uh, it would be nice to have, like, you know, Sunday breaks and barbecues and socials, like, uh, you know, the general pop uh, over here tend to have, um, but uh, it's usually divvied up between getting stuff done, because that's my only day to get stuff done, and not just for me, but for the, you know, I do the grocery shopping for, uh, you know, uh, my, my parents as well, make sure, you know, they're taken care of at their place. Um and also that same day is now also the only day I get to see my girlfriend, which is fun. And I'm not going to sacrifice that because I've already lost enough relationships and friendships due to this lovely world of working in MMA. Uh, not trying to be on a soapbox. Very grateful, folks. Just explaining to you the predicament as I am as I tried to get things earlier and, I'm, and I seem to be working later. And that's not that's not cool. A lot of y'all hit me up and I realized that how you know, even though insignificant as my listens may be, how many of you guys actually do listen and stuff, and, and I, I, I don't want to let you down there. So I apologize. Um, not going to wax on on these excuses, but I, I'm trying to do better. And then you factor in a uh, you know five-piece write-up week, four for junkie, three breakdowns, all three needing video, all video done by due by Monday. Can't exactly go from top to bottom. You kind of just got to cram, 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 get enough so you don't look like an idiot on a, during the video. Um you know, more than my fucking nerdy ass already looks because uh, I can't keep a main regular schedule just to do basic things. Like, I, mean, I think people want like, extravagant things like money and, and crazy vacations. Like, no, I, I just want to, like, eat healthily, sleep, and work out because that's the key for me being happy. And uh, it's very difficult. So uh, just trying to get those videos crammed in this week. And then, you know, work meeting Monday, doing wheel lost in the mail. And uh, as you guys know, Tuesday is always Tuesday night. I should say is always the deadlines for not just UFC, but all the picks pretty much going on in the week for Junkie Staff picks. And as the fucking someone whizzes by, um, and with lovely contender series, um, yeah, that like 
totally takes a big part of my day. Then my garage door falling apart, and I couldn't even watch Contender Series. I have to go back and watch. Yeah, it was just a big mess. So I'm a, I'm cramming for all these fights on to do videos on Monday. I'm cramming for all these picks on Tuesday, and I'm not even able to like write up my first um, breakdown until after I wrote up Contender Series on like Wednesday afternoon. At which point, I'm forgetting shit that I've now watched on Monday and Sunday in preparation. And now have to go back to rewatch because again I don't want to look like an asshole because I, I unlike fucking ESPN who's playing like Nate Diaz uh, for Nick Diaz things and Max Kellerman can't get the name right the production can't get the fucking B roll right um, my dumbass sits here and actually cares about this sport and brings I hate saying it but I actually can fucking say brings consistent stats that nobody else fucking does and tries to get technical details right. Um, even if there are people, which there are, that actually do that part better. Uh, I'm not trying to, not trying to unwaveringly flex here, but that that is super frustrating when you pull like multiple all nighters this week dealing with all this crap and um, throwing up a couple times for this podcast and sitting on birthday cards that I still haven't filled out that I bought literally a week ago. So um, yeah, I just it's not it was not a good week for me. And uh, but that being said, I'm actually very <laughs> to a fault. I'm very proud of the work that I did do because I put so much into it um, this week. My breakdowns and analysis, like even stuff that people just write off and you know use like like strike differentials and all the just the UFC and wiki uh, breakdowns. You know, especially like it's I don't even know if people do that much effort when it comes to like the Shevchenko fight. But I actually went and you know watched through Lauren Murphy's fights because there were f- fighters, whether it was Lauren Murphy or popular ones like Nick Diaz who. I technically didn't have an official profile on. Either these fighters haven't fought while I've been breaking things down or they haven't headlined or been in meaningful fights where I was required for me to write them up, right? So so when that happens, again, I don't want to bullshit. So I go th- again, I go through the whole comb, um, other stuff, you know, and again, it's dumb. You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't do that. Sorry, I'm... My battery's running low. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I might have a little coffee charger. But, yeah, I'm going to just try to get through this. So, it was, it was uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Just, yeah, apologies. I've also been sleeping in two-hour intermittent whatever sessions for the last two and a half days. So, there's that. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to get into everything. But it's just been, just to take it from what I have shared with you, it's been a, it's been a week. So uh, yeah, we did good though. We've been doing. That's the thing. We've been we've been doing good. We've been doing good. It, it, as crazy as a year it's been uh, for everybody uh, and, and myself. Results in MMA, at MMA, all, all different metrics. I'd say we're doing pretty good, and we did good once again last week. Hopefully, you are stocking the bank rolls, and the discipline and shot selection is paying off. Uh, because uh, seven minutes here, we went at ten two and one overall, two and zero in straight plays, and two and two in props. So uh, we'll go and recap um, that right meow. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, Anthony Span. Anthony Span. <laughs> Anthony Smith defeated Ryan Span. Um. Yeah. It went faster than I thought, but pre- pretty much, pretty much how I thought. Um. So I cashed in at the distance and the submission, which was nice. Missed the round three, but you didn't have to sprinkle a lot on a round three, which is fine. 
and of course the right side won, which was uh, playable, especially in hindsight. You know, so uh, there was that. Um, another, again, just super playable line to me before and after. Uh, Ewan Cute Laba defeats uh, Devin Clark. Come on, Devin, you got fight, God damn it. Uh, I, I loved it. By the way, when <laughs> when Devin when Devin Clark was uh, getting uh, bumped in on the um, what do you call it? Fucking the check-in station. Like you, you could see. It's funny. Like people like uh, shots of a man like Connor Rebush would tweet now. Like just like he, Devin Clark's fear of his father. Like you could actually see that. That wasn't a joke. Like you could see that. Uh, you know, when they uh, do the grease-up station, before they get greased up, they have to bump their cornermen before they put, put the grease on. And, like, Devin Clark was treating his dad like the guy you don't want to, like, eye contact with because you know he's going to bring you in for a big one. And you just, you're not trying to do that. You're running late. You're not trying, you you already don't like goodbyes. You want to leave the party. But, uh, you know, David Clark is that presence where he's just, you could feel him staring at you like, oh, don't you even think about it. Don't you think about that man, brother? Give me fucking skin. Uh, <laughs> my voice is gone, but I'll still try to dig it up for some David Clark for y'all. Um, but yeah, uh, the the inside the distance didn't catch the. the but um, like I said, I, I it was low enough to play money line. That was the straight play via odds checker US, and it cashed. Arian Lipsky defeated Mandy Bohm. Uh Don't remember anything about this fight. Stayed away. Armin Soryukin defeated Christos Yagos via first round uh, TKO. It's a nice left hook. I don't know what about it reminded me of Luke, um, the, the little flair that he had to it. But um, yeah, it was was cool. Hopefully, uh, we get to see more step up and you know see more process develop from Armand. Um, I do think it's funny. It just maybe because between last week, nothing much to be excited about and whatnot. Granted, but uh, I, I just love watching the the Gen Pop. Uh, start to you know freak out about certain fighters that uh you know those of you who've been you know hanging out with me and listening to this podcast or uh, other respective podcasts like obviously knew about these people it's always that's always fun Nate Manis defeated Tony Gravely um via second round TK I'm, I guess I'm glad I didn't find a, a parlay piece that I was talking about for Gravely now now aren't I uh, that being said <laughs> um. I think I did put him in something fun, and uh, I'm sure you guys did too. If you didn't, congrats to you. If you did, condolences and apologies if I helped confirm those thoughts. Uh, Joaquin Buckley defeated um, Antonio Arroyo uh, via TKO. Um, yeah, that, I just remember it being kind of sketchy for him, and then he got the uh, the knockout. So you know, uh, Tafon Chukwi defeated uh, Mike Rodriguez via unanimous decision. Um, yeah, man, Slow Mike didn't have, have have much form from what I remember. So, um, you know that unlike the other, uh, unlike the other, unlike the other uh, fight we'll get to um, that I reference uh, could be in hindsight, you know, playable. Um, this one was uh, maybe the other one not so much. We'll get to that. Raquel Pennington defeated Penny Kianzad via unanimous decision, cashing the unanimous decision prop, and um, the straight play. So that was nice uh, for the winning night. Uh, Rongju defeated Brandon Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. Uh, David Clark's fan. Leroy Jenkins. Uh, I don't remember that fight, but you know, good on China. Um, Montel Jackson defeated J.P. Bays. Unanimous decision. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Jackson pulled it together and actually was able to, you know, go get stronger late. But then again, he was also knocking the guy down throughout. Perhaps that saved him. Because, um, 
yeah, I mean, Bay's just kind of, you know, doing what he should have done, making him work. But you know, we'll see. We'll see with we'll see with uh, Jackson, man. But good on him to pull out that win. Aaron Blanchfield defeated Sarah Alpar. Uh, yeah, precision. Uh, liked what I saw from Blanchfield. Uh, she's going to get the hypes, I'm sure. Uh, Carlston Harris, not Carlton Minus, defeated him because I'm gonna. Good thing I stayed away from him. that one. Um, again, poor info, man. Just you know, it's not his fault. You know, he's 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 a very you know seems like a very smart and nice guy, but you get pushed in these positions, man. Um, it's not fair to these athletes. Anyways, uh, Gustavo Lopez defeated uh, Alatong Haile. Uh, or no, that was a unanimous draw. Um, I wasn't watching close enough to, to, you know, invest. And even though I was biased, I ended up staying away. So it, it doesn't matter. If I would have paid money, I would have just got it right back anyway. So I feel less bad about not investing on my guy. But, again, it was consistent as usual with what I told you guys pre. You know I give you guys the honest truth, good or bad. Hannah Goldie defeated Emily Whitmire. did not watch that one. I missed it. And probably for good because, I, you know, I, I like me uh, Emily Whitmire. Um you know, just from the training with her back in the day and, 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 and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, um, that's rough, man. That's rough. I thought I saw she was taking up the roster spot. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, um, we'll see. All right. Uh, that, that wraps up that. What time did we do? 13.34. All right, folks. We're going to get to UFC 266. That's only got one name. What do you know? Uh, again, I, I got breakdowns, in-depth breakdowns that um, uh, that I'm very proud of up there at uh, MMAJunkie.com if you want to check those out and share those. A lot of gifts attached that I was also sharing throughout the week. A lot of those gifts have threads. God forbid, maybe some things you can even learn. Uh, so I dare say my timeline is pretty uh, pretty resourceful with the analysis, with you know what I do, I suppose. So there's that. Uh, so thank you guys for, for, for your continued support there. Also, my uh, anyone who checks out, shares, shouts the uh, Dana White grade in the winners um, that I do. Did, did that this week as well. And then, of course, um, the bets, which are going to, just like last week, I'm staying disciplined. What, I, what I'm giving you here is actually going to match my odds checker US. So, again, I'm not bullshitting you when I tell you that my best bets go up there for the written, if you like that better, so we can find that. Which I don't think is up yet, because um, it was the last thing I did in the V hours of the night. Which is silly because like I ended up playing exactly what I laid out in the beginning of the week. It just took me so long to get around to fucking confirming these plays because I have to do the legwork. I have to do the process. I'm, I'm OCD like that, and my ADD makes it difficult. And those two things are used like that very loosely, but I legit have those things, and I'm finding out how legit they are as they. Worsen during this pandemic. Um, but yeah, who cares, Dan? Uh, yeah. So we got uh Alexander Volkanovsky minus one seventy eight and Brian Ortega plus one fifty. Um, to headline. And uh, yeah. Um, this is an interesting one. I I I feel like, you know. It, Technically, you're still getting a discounted line on Volkanovski because he opened at minus 185. But I, I was hoping the line, like it did with Max and anybody that really faces Ortega, he has that popularity effect. Um, and not that it's undeserved, but you know, it just it's an it's an effect, and it affects the betting lines. Um, and um, 
So I was hoping it to maybe go more toward minus 150 on Volk. And just play Moneyline because there's... Unless you're confident on a side, I think there's too many intangibles to go angle hunting on this one. Even totals get a bit tricky. Um, you know, total set for four and a half. Like that, I feel like that's just... I don't know. I don't like that at all. Um, you can go under and get plus money, and technically that's a prop as far as kicking for coverage. That's a very much one of your highest coverages you're going to get is an under four and a half for plus money as far as value and coverage goes on paper. But the matchups, as it should indicate or dictate, uh, it dictates everything for me, uh, you know, maybe to a fault sometimes, but I still believe that it should be a, at least a part of your process. Um, it does it does need to coincide with the styles, especially in MMA, especially with the volatility of MMA. Um, and, you know, stats will only tell you so much. Um, now, I don't hate it because Volkanovski said he wants to finish Ortega, but that could get him in trouble and get him finished. But, hey, that still cashes your under. Uh, and although Ortega proved he can win a five-round decision, uh, again, I believe that was more of a styles match. And... Um, as far as styles and styming styles go, he is going against the most stylistic stymier of them all, not just at featherweight, mind you, in Alexander Volkanovsky. So, real tricky there if you if you want to go contrarian and account for an Ortega decision, uh, which is why, for me, an underplay almost feels just like a Ortega play at a lower price. Um, I know you're technically getting coverage with Volkanovsky in there, and I don't hate that, but... Um, I still feel like at the end of the day, Volkanovski fights smart, and that's where his trend is headed, and that's where he needs to be, and that's where he, as much as he's talking, he, you know, in interviews, as much he's also, you know, stating the things like the head position and the stuff that, which, by the way, as I state my breakdown, whenever I'm looking at a Brian Ortega fight and trying to decide if I'm going to pick him or his opponent, I'm always looking at his opponent's head position. That's pretty much the top priority when I'm breaking down a Brian Ortega fight because that's where things can turn in the blink of an eye. Obviously, with strikes, you keep your head offline or you don't protect it. But I'm more talking about where they go, where, where the head, where's the head position resting in the clinch, where is it in collisions, where is it on shots, so forth, etc. Where is it in scrambles? Um, these are all huge questions you need to ask yourself anytime you're you're facing a Brian Ortega um, or a Charles Oliveira. Which, by the way, as I lay out the video evidence, like I tie all their front headlock. Meaningful head, headlock threats and finish. And literally, I don't even want to say 99.9 because I'm pretty sure it's literally 100% of both of them. They're always wrapping up the left side. Now, I know Ortega's always fought from southpaw and has been doing it a bit more. Um, I would expect him to do it more here as well. Uh, even though Volkanovski's proven he can attack the legs just as well when his opponent goes southpaw. On paper, the power kick is easier to check and... Ideally, they cannot get as much power going to the outside, although you know a lot of fighters can do really well with that. You can in here, and Volkanovski himself, um, and whatnot. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that. But uh, it is ironic because you know Ortega, though he does now list himself switch stance, uh, primarily has fought orthodox for the majority of his UFC career, uh, as well as Oliveira, obviously. So you would think you were doing yourself a service by shooting to their weak sides, being that. The only thing from that weak side is a left hook. That's good left hooks on both of them, but left hooks get you taken down, right? So uh, it's it, it's lead knees and lead lead side kicks you want to worry about if you're shooting to the weak side. So 
on paper you think you're safe there, but uh, no, uh, guillotines, uh, they actually, on their lefts, is where they finish it. So future coach, uh, po- co- you know, future opponents, opponents, teams, coaches, corners, strategists, and uh, consultants alike, keep that in mind when you face uh, Brian um, Ortega. Ah, speaking of birthday card, the birthday present attached to it just fell in the trash, like a sign of all the clutter and craziness here. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, you know, so that, that's something I look at, and, and Volkanovsky's been super disciplined at that. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's times in the beginning of his career, like if you look at the way he shoots, like, oh, yeah, Ortega would take advantage of that. But if you look more recently, something uh, Ed Gallo brought up um, on the podcast last week, the week before, I don't know, uh, what, you know, head position, yeah, the week before, um, you know, he, he goes more toward inside and out, uh, outside trips, um, stuff like that from the clinch, much safer. Uh, and, you know, credit to his coach, uh, Joe Lopez, uh, freestyle MMA. They still don't get enough credit. I, I, I really went to look back and I'm just like, how, how much did, did, did Volko really go with city kickboxing? And it was, it was for like his, a lot of his important fights. You see, obviously, the Max Holloway fights. You see Eugene Behrman in there. But you also see Brad Riddell there. Riddell, hi. Uh, as, I, as I say with my uh, other friend, Brad Braschuk, uh, be, be, the best person at City Kickboxing, Brad Riddell. Um, and uh, it's actually, that's the connection. He, I don't know if it's because uh, Volkanovski used to train over at Tiger Muay Thai, and, and that's how they met. But um, he had he he recruited Brad Riddell into his corner and stuff uh, before the city kickbox, and that's how that bridge kind of went went there. So if you want to credit anybody from the city kickboxing or the feints and stuff, which again, Volkanovski was actually showing, um, starting to develop this game before Behrman appears in his corner. Um, it's Brad Riddell. So get it right if you want to bring that up, or just make sure you shout Joe fucking Lopez, you know, his head coach. Um, and, and a guy really underrated, you know, I talk about that head position and Joe Lopez, you hear him in the corner yelling at Volkanovsky almost as if every opponent was Ortega yelling at him on his head position. It was great. I love it. Um, so again, I just, you know, obviously lazy analysis is a pet peeve for someone like me and what I put into it. Uh, I could only imagine like the people actually out there doing it, how they feel when they don't even get the fucking credit. And, uh, with all the lazy, like, takes and uh, takes out there you just hear like eugene Behrman city kickboxing oh how's he gonna be with that like without him in there is he gonna be there like dude he's like one small piece like if anything you know so it just feels really disrespectful to these coaches who really really put in you know that's why i always make it a point um to to shout them you know this the, the safe side use of the world uh you know, especially when they're doing like you know setting examples. Obviously, I'm biased. My guy Eric Nixick, um, Mark Montoya, plenty of good coaches out there. Um, but yeah, anyways. So I, I like that from the Volkanovski side. And then mentally, I'm not much for this, but I did watch the press conference, and it feels like uh, he kind of broke him there, man. Like just the whole PED calling him out. I, I forgot about that. I was like, oh shit. And it was almost like Ortega forgot about that too because he didn't have. He had a weak he had a weak comeback on the dais, and um, and then um, he uh, uh, on the face off he just oof, he looked broken, 
and even though he uh you know he looks you know he looked good on the scales he looks more defined I think it made him for a tougher weight cut because he had like Jeremy Stevens face slash Conor McGregor face when they fought at 145 where they're just sucked in on the eyes now he didn't look as much a Skeletor as Conor or even Jeremy but he was one click down uh, from it on the scales as far as you're looking at his skull structure his eye socket drainings oof so that's not good. Maybe Volk does, you know, hit him with a, a left hook. I, I think Volk's just really going to beat up his legs and and, um, and uh, end of the body and kind of break him that way. His leg kicks, his two threes up top, uh, his two three counter collisions, uh, cr- crash counter collisions that, that Volko likes to do. <coughs> um, let me see. Uh, yeah, I... Um, Sorry, I'm going to check some... Nope. Um, yeah, and then um, pretty much Ortega with his new style. Like, I just... I don't think he... It, it's as layered, obviously, um, or adjusted. Or he can make as many adjustments as Volkanovski. Um, it's pretty much... He was just fighting from Southpaw and kind of, like, outfighting. He was doing a lot of checks from the right side and measuring his counters and his power from the left side, which was great. And I think there's that, that, that opportunistic spinning elbow that he timed, which, again, was great, um, was the worst thing that could have happened to, to, to KZ, you know, got in his head, he got flashbacks from that, yeah, your fight was just in his shell for the rest of the fight. Possibly knocked out, you know, or was really severely concussed. So, you know, he definitely caught us by surprise, but I don't know how much, you know, Stocking compared to a more proven five-round fighter like Volk- Volkanovski you want to put into that. So I'm actually feeling more confident in Volkanovski. Uh, I'm still of the mind to stay away from this and enjoy this as a fan, as a fan but I, I'll tell you, if the line gets below 170 toward that minus 150, I may just take Volkanovski money line if I'm in a position where I need to or want to. Uh, not need to. You should never need to. But if I want to chase, uh, maybe I can do that. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I've been staying disciplined, and uh, I'm going to ride that out. Uh, but it, it is tempting to play him, just regardless whether I'm doing well or not, uh, depending on what that line does. Uh, you know, that being said, if Ortega, you know, Volkanovski has been hurt before. If Ortega hurts him, jumps on his neck, shouldn't be too surprised. So, you know, if you're taking that dog stab, good luck. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think Volkanovski uh, gets this done. Uh, officially taking him by decision. Next fight, uh, Shevchenko minus 1,800. Lucky Lauren Murphy, plus 980. Um, again, as usual, line is not um, indicative as uh, of Murphy's chances, and I'm pretty sure I said in the intro I even took the time to, <laughs> to go through Murphy's game. And, um, yeah, it's great. She didn't really fight many southpaws. Like, she fought Carmouche, but it was one of the fights where Carmouche fought Orthodox. So that doesn't count. And the only southpaw she fought UFC level, or even in Invicta, including Invicta, was was a, her exhibition fight on Tough, which was a loss to Nico Montano, the other <laughs> the other flyweight champion. Um, so it's like, yeah. Uh, I only find like the highlights for that fight, and it pretty much just looked like, you know, Lauren, who obviously wasn't having a good time in the show, um, which is a reason why I don't condemn fighters too hard because they're they're out, out of their camp, out of their corner. It's 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 weird in that tough house. And Montano kind of surprised everybody, obviously. Um, and uh, she used a lot of kicks, um, which 
Murphy has traditionally not had great kick defense um, to the legs particularly, um, as well as to the body. In fact, the, the times that she's seen most hurt have been to the body, but she keeps a really good poker face. Um, so, spoiler alert, I took the over 2.5 minus 120 just for a fighter that's never been stopped or submitted. Um, out, of, out of principle, i got to take that value, especially with the habit of overcorrecting. Everyone overcorrects the steering wheel whenever you have these big lines, you get lazy analysis, A, and then you usually get, like, it's like, oh, you got to hunt for your angles, and everybody goes inside. Everybody assumes just because someone's, like, north of a 1,000 favorite in an MMA, oh, that must mean they're going to get the finish. Like, no, no, we stop, get that out of your head. Can they finish? Yes, but no, that's not what it means. You know, like stop bending over backwards to bet the biggest fighter of the card to your detriment. Uh, I get it, and then shit, these houses sure as shit get it because they keep making money off of uh, the gen pop from it. But um, uh, as I say that, I take an angle here, right, uh, for a coal hard one point two u. Um, but it, it's more that I, I don't think that you know um, Valentina is just going to come in here and wipe the floor. Like, we haven't seen her fight slow fights before. Like, we haven't seen her go win uh, inside decision, inside decision in a clear pattern already, which she's due for another decision, by the way, uh, which is my official pick, by the way, because uh, Lauren Murphy's never been stopped or submitted, by the way. And it's in the big cage, by the way, so a lot more time to move and less clench and, you know, uh, ground time for either of them to get their elbows going, which is, you know, unless, shift, unless you know, Let's be honest. Uh, unless Murphy cuts Shevchenko, you know, uh, she ain't getting the stoppage, uh, even though Murphy hits hard. And unless Shevchenko either cuts Murphy or, as I was talking about the body notes, I really can see that liver kick coming through. That is my one worry here, I'll be honest. Um, unless it's one of those two things, which, by the way, a perfectly placed liver kick or a cut will take anybody out of a fight, no matter how tough they are, for different reasons. But both are very absolutes as you can get within that department. Um, but outside from that, uh, I, I don't see Shevchenko uh, submitting Murphy unless she's dead tired in like the fifth round and took a bunch of damage. Um, and I don't see Murphy submitting Shevchenko. I see her maybe you know controlling her and really surprising some people and getting getting around her too, like Maya did, and doing more with it. Maybe she opens up a cut. Like that's the more realistic path to victory. But with it not being in the small cage and Shevchenko just showing more and more improvements. I, I clipped one of the things from Maya that did in her last breakdown. I reshare that in my breakdown on Junkie. Um, you just look at a lot of the things she's making improvements on and the way she'll adjust. Um, yeah, it's hard to be confident in any of that noise. Uh, so I do think this goes over. Um, I think Murphy's toughness sees her through. You know, we, we saw that when she did, uh, last time she fought a high-level Muay Thai fighter, Miriam Nakamoto. Um, of course, she started outlasting Nakamoto and, and hurt Nakamoto uh, with a takedown. Uh, Nakamoto hurt her knee on the takedown from Murphy. And that's how she became the first. And I'm not trying to take away from Murphy, by the way. I think it's awesome. You know, good for her. And I'll be really happy for her, by the way. I'm rooting for her, you know. Uh, one thing about Shevchenko, like, Jesus, my God. I, I don't know if it's like the horniness for her is just out of control, but like, it's really fueling her ego in bad ways. I don't know if you saw like the the press conference. Like she couldn't even like, 
she wasn't even like she couldn't even finish her sentence where she wasn't even trying to make a joke, but she thinks she's making some clever point, even though she's just saying like the most basic of answers, which is ironic because if you notice, she's been fucking snippy and mean and shade to like every fucking question she gets. Like I get it, these press conference scrums, like the media asks the same questions, it's not fun. I get it. But she was just like I forget someone's like, Oh, in your opinion, do you think that and she's like, In my opinion? what in my opinion and looking around like almost like to gather people like let, let's come on join me here let's let's circle in on this idiot come come join me for what i'm about to roast this idiot for and it was just really she had that vibe for, like every fucking question and then maybe it's because on the back end you've got like again i don't know if the hoardiness is out of control like she can't even get through a fucking sentence and everybody's just like valentina please i'll just get oh, do whatever you want fucking Oh, just simping out and like they're like popping like she made a joke. I'm like she didn't a she didn't make a joke. B she didn't even finish her fucking sentence. Um, like, like it's like a comedian like trying to make a punchline and people are like laughing at the first three words. Like they're just so like and she's like taking it. it anyways, it's it's it was kind of gross. So um, yeah, man. And and Lauren Murphy's story. I don't know. I'm, I've always been a you guys know me. I'm I've always been a fan of of, of Lauren Murphy. She seems cool as fuck. Um, appreciate people who've been through adversity. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope Murphy wins, but the pick is Shevchenko by decision, and the play is the over. Um, all right, uh, Robbie Lawler minus one fifty two, Nick Diaz plus one twenty eight. Uh, boy, this is a stupid pick. I picked Nick Diaz to win by decision, um, knowing it's a five round fight, but not knowing it went to middleweight or. Diaz came in in the shape that he did, and I don't want to be someone that overblows it, but I also don't want to take part in this argument where, like, everything has to be one side or the other. Um, I, I'm not of the content foil hat where, like, you know, look how big Nick came in. Surely he has a plan, like, to quote Heath Ledger and The Dark Knight. Like, does Nick look like a guy with a plan to you? You know? Um, I mean, the guy up there... It, and well, I'll get to that in a second. You know, but 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 you know, to that point, um, he did look like uh, he was out of striking distance of 170. So you got to ask yourself, was that intentional or was it not? Now I, I don't think a lot of this stuff is as intentional as people think it is, because again, a, a lot of the things, the DS heads and people who've been around MMA for a minute are, are reminding the masses, thankfully, is that. This dude's always never liked fighting. This dude's always uh, took pauses, big pauses between his words. Um, for anybody trying to like equate him to Holyfield out there, like none of these things are new. Uh, Nick's always showing up late, um, and so I I completely agree with those points. That being said, he he still looked a bit thick. And maybe he looked at, you know, where he should, uh, not too far off 185, but far enough where he should to be this age and a layoff to be 185. But this was supposed to be a 170 bout. And if you look at photos that he had online for when he was, you know, again, take a shot for, I'm going to do a drinking game tweet. Uh, one other thing I want to do this week, I just have had no time, so I just, just anyways. Um, but uh, it just like... You know, take a shot every time someone talks about Diaz fucking triathlon. But, like, all the triathlon posters and stuff, when he was, like, getting back into shape, like, he looked in better shape than this. You know, uh, factor in with, you know, the picture of him and his girlfriend, what looked at a club. But, I mean, like, 
It could be anywhere in Vegas. It could have been more there at, at dinner, you know. Uh, a lot of places in Vegas look like a club or the clubs are restaurants before they turn into clubs. Um, especially when you need them late. Uh, but but still, uh, all those things, it's just like, you know, at the very least, can we say that, you know, he's, he, the door is open that he's coming in for a paycheck? I think that's more than fine to speculate here. Um, which is why even with before any of this stuff coming out, it was a reluctant pick. Uh, appreciate those of you out there citing my analysis and my studies for this because since then, you know, Misha Tate has won uh, to help uh, affirm the winning percentage. I forgot I didn't have a Matt Wyman in there, but it still stables back out at 71% because you also incorporate a non-former champion like Francisco Rivera, who joins the likes of the Antonio McKees of the world who fought in the UFC but not for championships, who came back at five, uh, four or five-plus uh, year-offs year layoffs, and won. Both those guys did within the last year, by the way. I believe both of the five-year mark. Uh, whereas you have former title challengers like Anthony Johnson and Jessica Penne were able to do so um, in the last year or two, as well as, obviously, former champions. Um, George St. Pierre and Misha Tate, as I mentioned. Uh, and Brock Lesnar, you know, even though technically went down as a no contest against Mark Hunt. So, uh... Do not tell me it can't be done, as I reference the super racist Michael Bay Pearl Harbor. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, again, not that you should live and buy die by these stats, much less on a fight like this. But it's hard to be confident either way. Like, yeah, Lawler looks in shape, but, like, having to go through all the changes um, that he's having to go through now, I mean, maybe not as bad, obviously, but, like, he, he's never been one to be a fan of this stuff either. Um, he's obviously not consistent, and Nick could come out and be shot, but we've kind of had to, we've we've we don't know. Whereas Lawler, we've actually got to see kind of become shot. Um, I, I you know I hope not. You know I feel like you know Lawler's the, the smart side. It was before uh, this week, and it is it does seem seem that way now. But uh, obviously, I'm going to stick with my pick, Nick Diaz, because I I, I pick things based on style. And even if he's um, 50% of who he used to be, um, that style uh, ages better and uh, has proven to be uh, Waller's uh, antithesis or maybe even using the right fucking word. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, it's been his kryptonite. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I obviously, I stayed away from it. Godspeed to you if you bet that. Uh it's just um, where I do hope Nick is okay wise is not so much the miles of his brain, but his mental health is what I more worry about with a lot of fighters. But um, it's just like, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, I was excited. At, I post a lot of clips of everybody granted because I read these breakdowns and they're for a purpose. But like, you, you know, it's just like with everything, just like with all the circus fights, everybody just getting there. Getting their SEO in, right, and whatnot. Um, making money off Nick Diaz's name while he's out here just trying to, probably just trying to make some money. It's probably what he's just trying to do, you know, and um, it's what he says he's trying to do. We should, I shouldn't be so speculative about that. I mean, the, the fucking guy says it himself, right? Um, but um, I don't know, man. I just, maybe because I, Norm McDonald passed. I was watching a lot on Norm McDonald, but I, Diaz just feels like Norm McDonald on a on a dais, on a roast dais, intentionally trying to bomb. 
except Nick's not intentionally trying to bomb. That's that's Nick Diaz. And uh, it's kind of funny when you when you keep that when I when I had that thought as I was watching this this press conference play out, and I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm just like keeping the Norton Cadence in my Tim Diaz talks, like looking around, like yeah, you know, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel bad because I'm just like uh, it's just a fucking spectacle. These guys. Well, uh, Rogan won't be calling the fight, which would have made things even more skewed because. Um, one thing I didn't realize is like, even in Rogan's like sharpest of times, he totally was a Diaz fanboy. I totally forgot how much he would. I, I wrote Rogan blowing Diaz in my notes uh, because he would literally just fanboy for him so hard. And I've heard Rogan back in the day, I, I guess, because it was back when I used to listen to JRE. That's been for a long. Uh, that's not a name I've heard in a long, long time. Um, he said that there were fights where he admitted that like he he was calling biasly. I gun in my head and I have to bet which one re- Joe's referencing to. It's got to be a Nick Diaz fight. There's no way that even Joe's got to admit that, like, yeah, I, I had a dick in my mouth the whole time. I'm surprised I was able to talk. Like, you know, like, he said he'd have to say that. Um, But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, and by the way, you know, how about his, how about his, how about his camp manager, Nate Diaz, with the, that tweet that I shared? He says, uh, what he couldn't, he's like, yo, where is the fucking UFC gym, dang? Like, <laughs> Nate, are are you are you managing Nick for this camp? What's going on there? Uh, yeah, Dad. Listen, I'm trying to find the fucking UFC gym still, and you pull me in for this fucking protecting Nick podcast bullshit. I said I did your shit last time. I know Nick. I appreciate you. I just I. What's the status with uh with with Nate? You just call me Nick. Are you fucking pulling a Max Kellerman motherfucker? I swear to God. Oh my God. I saw that shit. I just. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> I know, that's pretty upsetting. I thought it was pretty funny, dog. Like, <laughs> you don't understand. Nick used to just fucking beat the shit out of me. And now, I'm the fucking cool guy. I got a clout, you know? <laughs> Uh, teacher used to say, Nick, shit, I was used to seeing your brother here, Nate, I'm sorry. Nate, is this turning into a therapy session? I maybe. Okay, well, I appreciate you stopping by. I would ask you for a prediction for the fight, but uh, I think we know who you're taking. Nick, yeah, I'm a motherfucker. Well, I'm here, I just want to give a couple of shout-outs if you don't mind. Well, this is, I have a bad habit of shout-out. I suppose I'd be hypocritical. I want to shout-out. Uh, McNulty's Nunchucks. I want to shout out uh, Superfly Speedweed, Sacramento's Finest. I want to shout out uh, Chase Chevrolet. Uh, just got to get my Chase Chevrolet beanie on. Yeah, he's pretty fucking cool. Uh, I want to shout out Nick, uh, uh Nate. <laughs> you calling me, you motherfucker. Hey, if you fucking talk shit to Max Kellerman to open the show, you fucking do it twice, motherfucker. Look at you. All right, Nate. Well, I just I want to get back to talking about your brother Nick and wrapping up this segment and pushing on. So thank you for stopping by the podcast. You fucking motherfucker. Um, any ideas, everybody? Lauren Murphy appreciation slash pay. Oh yeah, she's always been like underpaid too, which is like gross. I was looking at Lauren Murphy pay. That's why I wrote that. Okay, I already went through that. Um, okay, oh cool. Only one more note on that. Let's move to the next fight, shall we? I got. Uh, I'm sticking with Nick, Nick Diaz. Uh, that's Nick, not Nate. 
called Nate Nick. All right, Curtis Blades minus 335. Uh, Jesse Rosenstein, Fantasy Jewish Fight League, double representation, swinging before Shaba. Plus 270 for Rosenstruck. Um, <laughs> sorry. Shouts to my Jewish brothers and sisters out there, by the way. Hope you guys had a had a good uh, had a good New Year. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. It's like Derek Lewis all over again, except I picked Derek Lewis, and I'm not gonna pick him this time. I'm, I'm picking Curtis Blades. Um, I feel like it'd be easy to, to uh, you know, especially coming off those devastating knockout losses. Oh, excuse me, knockout loss. I said burp. Um, but uh, you know, he's getting hit by the hardest hitters. And Rosenstruck could do that to him, but um, I think in three rounds, uh, Curtis can avoid it. I'm not going to lay the chalk for it, but the pick pick some prayers with Curtis here. Let's let's get it done, Curtis. Um, Jessica Andrade minus 260, Cynthia Calvillo plus 215. Uh, always been a big fan of Calvillo. Uh, played her a couple times. I draw against Rodriguez being one of them, I know. Um <laughs> And so, even though it may not look on the stats, looks like she does sprinkle in takedowns. It's it's clearly not enough for her game. And you know, there's an excuse for it. With you look at the striking she came from and the camp jumping she was doing, but now this is, I believe, her second camp, uh, full camp with um, Extreme Couture. She's using uh, that Gifford guy, the boxing guy who's worked with Tate and some others. Uh, Caraway back in the day uh, for her boxing. Um, I'm not sure how well there are some connecting pieces to takedowns. Obviously, we've seen it with Tate and whatnot. But a lot of times I think it comes down to your level change. Um, and with her process and sensibilities, I don't think we're going to get enough consistent pressuring or corralling, much less getting so much of that from the style, I think that that kind of stick and move, but striking with a purpose style, uh, ideally striking with a purpose, of course. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see a bit more of that, you know. you know, um, We saw that a bit with Tate, right, um, when she fought uh, Holm. Uh, you know, she, she kind of picked her spots, but was probably playing on the outside much much more than, than really she should have been, right? So that is a worry. Um, it's not in the small cage either, which is good because Andrade, I could see the angle of, well, maybe Andrade will play into it. She'll take it down, and Calvillo scrambles and scrambles to the back, and that's where she's going to get this fight and, and, and get it done. And I wouldn't blame you, but the thing is, Andrade... Um, has shown that she can be more than happy to stick it out at range two. Uh, as we've seen with that Rosna Muniz fight, uh, especially in the, the rematch, um, you know, where she had an argument there. Um, you know, working that, I shared that little Henry Armstrong parallel clip of it, but, you know, she's more than happy to work through on the feet. And uh, if she does... You know, go for takedowns. Um, it's been a while since Andrade has been submitted. Not only that, it's been since she was fighting up a bantamweight against Pennington, where she got RNC'd. 
Now, since then, not only has she not been submitted, but she's earned, she was only a purple belt, and she wasn't too far from a brown belt. So since then, six years ago, she's earned her black belt, but has been consistently competing all the way through, hence probably why earning that black belt. Um, and uh, that's something that a lot of fighters don't do when they get the black belt, even if they're not a fighter, much less... Um, and that's a whole other conversation as far as incentives for black belts to compete in jiu-jitsu, much less if they're, like, a known MMA fighter, right? So, like, super hats off to Andrade for doing that. And it's paid off because, really, she's been getting much better with not just her grappling but her wrestling, like, when the style match calls for it. Like, again, um, you look at with, uh, she, what, uh, you know, a much more credentialed submission threat than Calvillo is um, Gedalia. And uh, Gadelia went, what, over seven takedowns in that fight? And maybe someone could have briefly gotten Andrade's back, but I don't even think anybody's gotten her back, certainly not meaningfully, in the six years set her last submission loss. So she really took that wake-up call as far as in that regard and has had made those adjustments. Um, and since her last loss to Shevchenko, she went stateside, and she'd been training up here in Vegas. Um, and she also uh, went a bit to Florida to an American top team affiliate there. And more importantly, she spent some time both training and competing in grappling tournaments in Sacramento uh, over at Team Alpha Male, uh, Calvillo's former camp. So I really like, I really like those trends from Andrade, especially for this fight. And basically, in a three-round fight. You know, I don't think Calvillo can knock her out. Um, and if she can't, if Calvillo can't submit Andrade, and she would look at it like Calvillo, she's gotten to the back, but she's only gotten like three submissions in the UFC, and, and all lower level people who are, are, are have long been out of the UFC, I believe, offhand. Um, but uh, so unless, so only, yeah, unless Calvillo can submit Andrade, who is now a legit black belt, um. I don't see her winning this fight. I don't know if she'll get finished because she's really durable. But uh, I feel like the judges will be awarding the more damaging striker and volume and forward pressure. Uh, those are the things that get judges to score for them. And granted, only one of them should be prioritized, which is the damage. But you guys get what I'm saying. I'm just speaking realistically here, right? Well, what what tends to win fights in the judges' scorecards, whether or not we agree, well... Andrade checks those boxes, so she is a popular parlay piece, and that does worry me, but not enough to stay away from it. I took Andrade for the first leg, and um, I'll pair her up here uh, shortly. All right, um, next fight, uh, Marab Devalishvili, minus 240, coming back down to earth a little bit from the almost near-even opener over Marlon Marais, plus 198. Both guys look fantastic at the weigh-ins. Marlon looks really great, looks slimmed down. Maybe he worked on his cardio. We'll see. Um, I kind of think you are who you are, unless he, you know, changed up the doctor or something. Um, I feel like that dynamic's going to exist here, which is why I'm going to go with Marab, who has improved his stand-up and other things. He's been traveling around training, going to have the whole team back together with Matt Sarah in his corner, so he'll have a little bit of a taste at a home. Jesus, that's anti-Italian discrimination. Yeah, shouts to my Italian brothers and sisters. I am part Italian, by the way. Um, you know condolences for the Mario news you know again hey representation is important and uh 
You know, Italians should be able to represent Italians too. Why not? All right, Jesus, Dan, come on, move on. Uh, I'm gonna take the Vols. Really, not much to say. I just I felt like, especially at like minus 300 price, it's just too chalked up for me to even play it. Um, I stayed away from this one. Next fight, um, Daniel Huka, Dan Huka, 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 minus 144 versus this week on Hack Nasrak Hack Brass, plus 122. Um, taking Dan Hooker. Been a big fan of Hack Press. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's shown to be wild, and uh, his aggression uh, could cost him from the knees to the hooks to the counters of Hooker, um, as well as the guillotine, and Hooker not a fish out of water. I feel like Hack Press, best thing is to make it kind of anticlimactic and really dedicate to um, wrestling him. Uh, Hooker against Southpaws, um, not a lot in recent memory. I mean, he got knocked out from Michael Chandler in a shifting southpaw stance, but as far as dedicated southpaws, uh, his last one he fought was Jim Miller. I'm not sure if Jason Knight was fighting from a southpaw stance when they fought, um, but he lost to him via back control, so it was grappling anyways for what that's worth. Um, and, uh, yeah, not 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 sure about what... Uh, Maximo Blanco actually would shift to southpaw a lot and had a lot of success from that stance. Um... But aside from that, we haven't gotten consistent looks there, so that will be uh, that will be kind of interesting. But I, I do think that so long as Hooker doesn't forget about his jab, uh, all his other tools should translate, still translate quite well. You know, maybe he doesn't have that outside calf kick, but everything else should translate quite well from his arsenal. So I'll take Hooker, but I didn't play it. Um. Chris Dacus, Dukakis, minus 205 versus uh, Shamil Abdurahimov, uh, Dagestani Randy Couture, earning, living up to the name as 40 years old, plus 172. Um, you know, I, I've been familiar with Shamil since like 2015, uh, since first writing. Uh, I've got like the the notepad, MixedMartialAnalyst.com version before the site went live. I've got Shamil profiles up in those notebooks. Um, but the, the mistake, everybody thinks he's, because he's Dagestani or Russian, that he's amazing and slash amazing at wrestling, which is not the case. Um, he actually comes, you know, like a lot of uh, people from uh, Dagestan, if they're, not, if they're not into Sambo or wrestling, they are into, especially in Makhachkala, there's a lot of Wushu Sanda. Um, and uh, it's got opportunistic takedowns, but not much from there, which is why his game falls apart, which is why he'll barely pass, ride, and strike, and he'll let his opponent up, even when he's on the right side of grappling exchanges, and which is why he is lost, uh, fish out of water, and quick to be TKO'd once put in a compromised position. As we've seen, uh, whether it's against legit guys like Blades, or, uh, you know, by the way, legit guy in my book, fucking Timmy Johnson. Uh, but, you know, that was just a really suspect fight where you're just like, ugh. You know, he, when he gets put in bad spots, he'll complain. But there's some kind of suspect that, he, you know, maybe he wants out of there. Now you couple that with the fact that Shamil, if you look at he's pulled out of a bunch of fights recently. Him being inactive is not normal. The guy has only averaged like one fight a year his whole career. That is not abnormal. But he is entering his 40s, which is not detrimental or a death sentence as heavyweights, but doing so off of a two-year layoff. And in that two years, he's avoided like five fights and two of them and four of them are to the same two people. Cyril Gaon, which he avoided two times, 
which makes sense. I don't blame him. Uh, and Chris Dacus, which tells me it's like, dude, are you just avoiding the young guys who can push your shit in? And now you have no choice because it's been five fucking strikes in two years. So now you have to fight. And, you know, Dan, Tom, whenever a fighter, whether it's through injury or other kind of pressures, when they're put in a position where they have to fight, I tend to kind of lean heavily into that if I have other reasons. Because that also means if they're injured and a bunch of other stuff, well, they've already used all their points. They have to fight. Um, so uh, I, I don't, you know... Whereas Dawkins is hungry, he's been taking it personal because he heard, and this comes from Shamil's own mouth, quoted by the matchmakers, is that uh, Shamil's excuse for the last one was that uh, training camp, uh, he was tired from training camp and didn't feel like didn't feel like hanging around and doing you know hanging around for a rebooking, like that's a huge fucking flag, and Dawkins looks to have taken that personally. Um, Outside of Dawkins running into a counter, which, you know, Shamil, to his credit, can walk people onto as he plays on the outside and moves deceptively well for his age and weight division. Outside of that, I don't think he's got really anything for Dawkins. Dawkins can throw away shots and come with others. He's more powerful, more faster. Uh, I, I just like what I see. And he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt that he hasn't gotten in the show. So if it does go to the ground... Um, He's definitely going to wipe him out. And even though I'm sure he's eager to show his submissions, he still hasn't gotten a submission yet after 10 knockouts. So that's A, a hard trend. And B, I think he's going to want to punish this fucker from the way it sounds like uh, for, for what Shamil's put him through. So um, I actually leaned on the KO prop. You get some plus money there. You also get plus money in the sub prop. Uh, but inside the distance, obviously, is for the coverage. But I, I think that that was going to be even or you're not going to get plus money there. Um, which not not saying you shouldn't play it, but I played the plus money prop, um, and I played that at half a unit because it's ironically enough it's almost my more confident side, even though it's the less proven side of the parlay legs. Uh, but with the intangibles attached, it's it's almost my more confident side here, um, and so I put a half unit on the plus money prop so that God forbid Andrade shits the bed, um, I would have made up for it on the uh, Dawkins side, and I'm not having to lay two-to-one chalk on a fucking heavyweight, right? Um, that way. So that's kind of the angle there, uh, how I have it, and um, the 1.2 or the 1.3 that I put on the minus 120 and minus 115 in another house uh, will close to make up for if if that hits and the rest of this fails. and all, you know. That's how I have it measured up in my head. And anyways, folks, um, which I... Suggest you kind of do your own measurements and, and budgeting that way, you know, uh, for coverage. So a lot of times when I've done it myself, you're like, why the fuck did I play this this way? It makes no sense. I really fucking expose myself more than the bets itself already expose you. You don't want to do that. Um, so that's kind of my angle and, and my thoughts there. Um, all right. Uh, Tyler Santos minus 405. Roxy Montefiore plus 320. Uh, not much to say here. I don't, I'm taking Santos, but I'm not confident in it. Don't blame anybody taking dog shots on Montefiore. Uh, but I didn't. Um, next fight feels like the contentious fight that, you know, everyone's going to be on. So maybe I'm, I'm happy to be off of it. Um, Euros Medic minus 120. Mr. Turner. Jalen Turner plus 102. I picked Medic, so I'm going to stick with it. But goddamn, I'm rooting for Jalen Turner, and I'm rooting for you, Jalen Turner betters. He was the tempting side here. Um, I feel like it's a dogger pass. He's more proven. He's better on the ground. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. He'll have the length parity, but here's the thing. Medic, granted, not the best guys, but even like going to like 
the Flowers dude on Alaska FC to like you know uh, Cruz to to other fighters like he's actually had size parity granted not Southpaw or Southpaw who can switch or one as sharp and as dangerous as Turner can be um he has faced that and you know he's coming from Kings MMA who I, I do love Kings MMA but uh you know how I'm gonna lump in Phil to make me feel better for hating hating on God's it. But you know how me and people like Phil McKenzie and other analysts feel about you know, he's got a lot of those same vibes where this guy is just like, you know, athletic, jumping in and out southpaw. His defense doesn't feel like it's been tested because he's so wild and aggressive and he's just been on you know, he's been the hammer. He hasn't really had to be the nail yet in a meaningful level. Um so you want to you want to to, to fade that till you see it. Um it's tough because even though his defense isn't tested and whatnot, and it just seems like all like offense and strong kicks and power punch and ah, um, you know what Turner for all the improvements he's making, defense is not one of them. Both with his grappling, um, and he still gives gives up bad takedowns. He still gets hit with shots maybe he shouldn't get hit with, um, so on and so forth. And the tall guy thing. The body being open, the legs being what they are, and Medich being from all levels in a camp that teach you how to spe- uh, kick from all levels. Again, I love me Kings MMA, my, my, my friends uh, that are there. You know, just, just <laughs> you know, I may give give Chikadze shit, but uh, you know, it's what it is. Also, it, it's to and, and at least you know Chikadze has has a cancer fund and whatnot. Hopefully, this guy has something too because uh, he, I hate to say it, I don't want to condemn somebody, but. This Medich guy kind of seems like an asshole too. I know he's like he's cool. And he's like he's like the new version of a couple of wild and crazy guys. Dan, did you really just reference a 1977 Saturday Night Live skit for an MMA podcast? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but by the way, this the Serbian thing. <laughs> I picture him doing that Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin. Go look up that skit. Um, but and I know it's really easy to be level. You know, just oh cool. You know, um, yeah. For all these reasons, I get it. Uh, but like. That flowers guy, because I wanted to see like what he looked like when he gets a submission. Like he triangles this dude, and the guy's like tapping, and he doesn't like strike to get in the submission or strike to get him to tap. Like you see people like I can't get this triangle, so I'm just gonna like Anderson Silva looter him, right? Um, he actually like cuts the angle and does everything you're supposed to, and actually impresses me with his ground game. Again, not doing against a great guy, but you have to look at what they're doing. And this guy's kicking dexterity, well, that leg dexterity translates very well to the ground. Um, so Medich actually impressed me. But after he turns the angle and, and he gets the guy to tap, the guy's like actually like tapping hard clear. And he doesn't even have to tap that long before the ref stops it because the ref is actually right there in clear view of both the fighters and in clear view of the submission. Yet Medich feels the need to just start elbowing the fucking guy like a prick. Yeah, you heard me like a prick. Um, after the guy is already tapping. And then the and, and the ref like puts his hands on him, stop, and he's still doing the ref has to like forcibly stop him off there, like fucking hell, dude. Like, was this guy a dick or something? Was he? He looked giant, but like I don't even think he missed weight. Like, you know, and he's just like you know, just of course, just all the normal cocky shit. Just didn't, you know, he thought he could stand with me, you know. And it's just like, all right, buddy, relax. Yeah, you're the shit. Okay, fucking easy. Um, so you know me, Dan Tom doesn't really like that. So like, it, it it was worse than uh, it it was it was worse than you know, uh, 
what is it, Amanda Nunez uh, elbowing Raquel Paolui's unconscious body after she choked her out, and the ref was like literally trying, couldn't get Amanda to acknowledge him or the unconscious body she was elbowing, has to drag fucking Paolui's unconscious body away from Nunez's celebration because she just, anyways, um, but yeah, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe. Medich is fucking Team Spectrum too. So, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't give him that excuse. <laughs> Coming from somebody that's not Team Spectrum, but yeah, he just kind of seemed like an asshole. So I'm rooting for Jalen Turner big time. Um, rooting against my pick. I'm rooting for you, Turner Betters. But the pick is Medich. You know, he comes from a great camp. He's a talented kid. Uh, I, I am excited to see more as a fighter, regardless of how he conducts himself. Which hopefully, you know, he matures as he should. Um, but yeah. The pick is Medich. All right, next pick, Nick Maximoff. Then then the DS special getting their getting their friends to fight on cards, which um, ah shit. Based on that, you might want to just fade the other side, especially if you're getting extra plus money for this one for Cody Brendage, uh, who I believe didn't he lose to Thick Willie? Th- Willie fucking Thickums. Um, but uh yeah, I guess I'll pick I'll pick I'll pick uh. I'll pick Maximoff because that's why I submitted for staff picks. How about that? I clearly did not study this fight. Uh, uh, second up in the Fantasy Jewish Fight League, Semmelsberger. Uh, minus 500 versus Martin Sano Jr., uh, plus 385. Um, going to take Semi the Jedi, Semmelsberger. Uh, you know, um, listen to his interview on Unfilter. Dude likes himself some D&D. Interesting cat. Not hating on D and D, by the way. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, just this was an interesting cat uh, to listen to. Uh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Semi the Jedi here. Um, lastly, but not least, Omar, Omar. <laughs> I'm watch, I'm rewatching The Wire with the girlfriend, and then I got my my mom uh, and my stepdad hooked on a Boardwalk Empire to get some of their um, uh, Omar. Michael K. Williams fix. Um, Omar Morales is what I'm talking about. Uh, minus 158. Jonathan Pierce plus 134. Omar looked good on the scales. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take Omar here. I stayed away. Um, Pierce seems like he's lively as a dog. Omar has made some suspect decisions for sure. He kind of hangs out in there too long to allow things to happen on its own. So that's not good. Um, so I'm not confident in it, but I picked Omar. I had to do one time. Fucking hell. Over an hour still. There's a lot of fights to talk about. All right. Um, recapping. Uh, wait, let me see. Make sure I didn't miss anything here. Tired of the fight camp. Yeah, all right. Recapping. Taking Volkanovsky over Ortega. Taking Shevchenko over Murphy. Taking Diaz over Lawler. Taking Blades over Rosenstrach, taking Andraj over Calvillo, taking Devalishvili over Marais, taking Huka over this week on Hack, Hack Brast, taking Dacus Dukakis over Abdurhimov Dagestani, Randy Couture, taking Tyler Santos over Modafferi, taking Medic over Mr. Turner, all of my hearts over Mr. Turner. Taking Maximoff over Brundage, taking Simmelsberger over Sano Jr., taking Omar over Pierce, uh, Parlay uh, Dacus and Andrade at plus 105 uh, for uh, one unit, um, or 1.2, I think. I don't know. Uh, then uh, 
took uh, Shevchenko Murphy at uh, 1.2, 1.3, depending on the house, uh, over 2.5 at minus 120. Um, Dawkus by KO, sprinkled on that half a unit, plus 120. Um, and that's it. Avoid what you like, play what you like. Um, that's what I'm on. Uh, good luck on your picks and plays. Sorry for the late episode. Sorry, I didn't have the energy to try to be funny and fail, although I still did try to be funny and fail a bunch of times, but not as much as usual. Uh, apologies. Um, better luck next week. Hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll get a better handle on things. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let, let's kill it. Let's, let's, you know, stay disciplined, take your shots. Good luck in, in your picks and plays. And always protect your neck. <laughs>